Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. What a precious gift it is to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for uh, to Brother Rayleigh and Brother Herndon for covering Sunday. We appreciate uh, well, Brother Rayleigh was already scheduled to speak, but Brother Jerry was um, was willing to step in there at the last minute. I want to say something tonight. I may mention this again Sunday, but I want to say how much I appreciate the family atmosphere that we have in our church. And um, in many times through the years that Sister Boyd and I have held your hands as you walk through uncertain times, but I'm thankful for the times that you've held our hands while we walk through uncertain times. And uh, this weekend being one of those, and just ask you to continue to pray for her sister, Kathy, uh, needs a touch from the Lord, and uh, their family just needs some direction. Amen. You just never are prepared for things of this nature, but God has a plan. Amen. And so we just appreciate your continued prayers and ask the Lord for wisdom. I'm going to ask you this evening to join me in the book of Genesis chapter 22. And verse number, um, verse number six and seven, and uh, Genesis twenty-two for uh, the most part holds a very familiar passage of scripture. If it's not familiar, just because it's familiar to one or some doesn't mean it's familiar to all. And uh, so Genesis twenty-two and six, and verse number seven, and these are the only two scriptures that I'm formally going to read. The only two scriptures on the screen. Sister Edith, don't mind tonight. She said, uh, are you sure you just, she thought when I turned in my scriptures that <laughs> she thought that the text didn't go all the way through. She said, so you just have one uh, scripture you're going to read? I said, yes, ma'am, but don't be fooled by that. <laughs> don't be at ease in Zion. Some other scriptures I'll refer to, but this is, this is on the screen. This is it. But um, I do feel like the Lord has put something in my heart. And I just, I've asked the Lord now to just help me to do an adequate job with maybe just conveying that. Genesis 22 and 6. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it upon, he laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father... And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, you know, I know we could assume that all the flesh has been picked off the bones of this passage a long time ago, but the word of God is alive. It's living. Amen. And from these two passages, or from these two verses, I want to, my title tonight, I hope will make a little bit of sense as we go along or a little more sense as we go along but I just feel to talk to you tonight about destinies 
journey, destiny's journey. I feel that um, that we all have a destiny, and so we have to journey to get there. And so I just want to talk about destiny's journey. Amen. And so I know we've been praying, but let's pray one more time over the word of the Lord. God, I love you today, and I thank you for the privilege that you have given me to one more time stand in front of such a wonderful congregation. And I ask you tonight, God, to help me to do an adequate job with what you have laid upon my heart. Strengthen me today, God, by your spirit. Quicken my mind and my heart. I pray, God, that your word would just be a brand of fire upon my spirit and my soul. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen, amen. You can be seated. And um, it's an interesting story, and and um, I just don't want to take too much time tra- talking maybe about the details of the backstory. But we do know that at 100 years of age, Abraham was still walking through situations that was destined to stretch his faith in God. <laughs> he's, he's a long way down the road. We would, we would sort of think or we could possibly think in our minds that he's graduated, elevated to a place that he could just have some years of smooth sailing. But it really wasn't to be true. He's walking in a situation and I believe that it was the ultimate situation. Perhaps one of the things that we can take away from this truth is found in the fact that We are never too old to face challenges and we are never too old to learn something new about God. Amen. Man, I just love the Lord to just blow my mind sometimes. Amen. Just something about his word, something about uh, just something I feel like I learn about him in prayer or in the study of his word. Someone uh, aptly said when we stop learning, we stop growing and when we stop growing, we stop living. A lot of truth to that. One German philosopher made this observation concerning life, and he was certainly basing this upon the scriptural average of one's life being 70 years. So with that in mind, he said the first 40 years of life give us the text, and the next 30 years of our life supply the commentary. There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. The first 40 years give us something that we could refer to as the text and the next 30 supply the commentary to that text. For those of us who have been filled with the Spirit of the Lord, I believe that life can be summarized in the seven words that that the minor prophet Habakkuk has given us in chapter 2 and verse number 4. This is what we read. This is... Habakkuk's summary of life. He said, the just shall live by his faith. Amen. How do we get this far? I think we can answer that by faith. There's an old song that we used to hear that says, we've come this far by faith. And that's the absolute truth. It hasn't been our shrewd uh, nature or our skills, but it's just been faith in God. And so the just shall live by his faith. That's a good summary of the text of our life. However, the commentary of our lives is altogether different. The commentary of our lives is written on a daily basis. As we listen to God and as we obey his directions, we do this one day at a time, the commentary 
of our lives will be written one day at a time, one situation at a time, one moment at a time. I would dare say that Genesis 22 records the greatest test that Abraham ever faced in his life. And that's a bold statement because Abraham faced some severe things in his life. But we should all understand that Abraham did not face this test alone. And I don't want to take anything away from him tonight, but I want to insert someone else that's already a key player, but I want to push him a little bit more to the forefront. While there are perhaps many lessons I think that we could glean from this passage, I believe the main lesson is this, that obedient faith overcomes whatever trials we may face in our life. Just being obedient to God, just walking by faith. Abraham teaches us how to face things in life, how to handle tests of life, and, and all the while give glory to God. Because if we will put it in God's hands, ultimately God will get the glory out of whatever it is that we face in our life. God will get the glory. The Bible talks about the passage of, of, of Scripture that teaches us the principle of prayer and the Lord's Prayer. One very valid thing and one very huge principle of that prayer is hallowed be thy name. Amen. May God's name be hallowed in everything that we go through. Amen. Everything that we encounter in life. Abraham certainly had his share of tests. And one of the things, again, that I'll say about Scripture is I'm very thankful that this Bible takes no pains to hide the ups or the downs of its characters. And we just see people in the raw. We see them high, we see them low, and all points in between. In some of the tests that Abraham went through, he succeeded. And in others that he faced, not so much. The first thing he was called on to do was to leave his family. There was a little bitty bobble there, amen, in uh, Genesis, between Genesis 11 and Genesis 12. And uh, he was admonished to step away from his family, to walk away from his kin, uh, to walk away from his land uh, where he dwelled and to go to a promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. And so uh, when he was admonished again in Genesis 12 and 7, I believe, amen, it was there that Abraham followed the will of the God. He doubted God. Then later, later in his journey with God, when there was a famine, he didn't do so well. And he doubted God and he went down to Egypt in order to find some help, only to realize that's not where he was supposed to be at all. Amen. So let's don't get pompous here because we've all made similar mistakes, haven't we? We get it right and get it wrong. We get it right and we get it wrong. Amen. He was tested. He was tested with the unrest between the two camps of his men and his herdsmen, rather, and the herdsmen of Lot. And after a while, everybody's in a tangle and and uh, nobody can get along. And so he was called on to make a decision. And so Abraham handles it, handles it so skillfully, like a craftsman. He says, he says to Lot, he says, you choose this side and I'll go that way. Or you choose this way and I'll go that way. And obviously, he, he proved himself to be a leader. Amen. He passed that test. Later, when the wealth and the people of Sodom, Sodom including Lot and his family, had been taken captive by enemies. Abraham assembled an army of men and he went down and he rescued Lot and he rescued all the people of Sodom and he rescued all that had been stolen from Sodom. 
And when he came through that, when he came through that battle victoriously, the Bible introduces us to a man by the name of Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And it was at that juncture of triumph, it was at that juncture of victory that Melchizedek says to Abraham, for your troubles, sir, for your all that you've done for us, we're going to give you, we'll take the people back, but we'll let you have all the spoils that you retrieved from Sodom. We'll let you have all of that in maybe just in, in payment for your services. And it was right here that Abraham was tested to see if he could be bought by man or money. Amen. Thankfully, Abraham got it right. And if you read the passage of Scripture correctly, he didn't just get it right, he got it really right. Because when someone said, we're just going to give you all of this, amen, Abraham looked at them and he said, I will not take from a thread, <laughs> even to a shoe latchet, I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I made Abram rich. Amen. Abram realized at this moment, if I do this from this day forward, you're going to say that you were the man who made me, but I'm going to say you keep what you've got, and the Lord God is going to be God. He is the one that's going to get the glory out of this. <laughs> Amen. In Genesis 16, Abraham would, would fail the test of waiting for that promised son. Sarah got impatient with God and she suggested that Abraham have a child with Hagar and that indeed is what they did and they got out of the will of God. So we watch Abraham get it right and we watch Abraham get it not so right. Abraham get it right and then not so right. It's called destiny's journey. When we are on our way to where God is trying to take us, we're not always going to make the right decisions. I'm not giving anybody here tonight a license to sin or to be passive about failure. I'm not talking about that at all. But I am saying that we should have the, the same posture that Micah had when he said, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, God will be a light to me. So I believe that we can clearly see that life is filled with these hills and valleys. And there's a reason for that. It's not because God is picking on us. It's because God is purging us. We may think that we would be much better off if we didn't have this test or we didn't have this trial. The Apostle Paul thought similarly. He thought if I could just be delivered of this thorn in the flesh, then life would be so much better. But when the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for, the, for thee, Paul realized in an instant that I would much rather have the anointing and the power of God and the revelation of God flowing in my life than to be delivered because we never know what's flowing into our life because of what we are going through. Amen. There's nothing I believe that uh, would be more detrimental to our life or to our soul than to think about God just taking away every mountain, just leveling the playing field, removing every cobblestone, taking away every difficult decision. I believe there is a somewhat haunting passage of Scripture in the book of Jeremiah. <clears throat> Jeremiah brings it to bear in chapter 48 and verse number 11. He said, Moab hath been at ease from his youth, and he hath settled on his lees, and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Amen. He said, Moab has been at ease. There's something horribly wrong. And here's what's wrong. Amen. He has settled on his lees and he has not been emptied from vessel 
to vessel. Let me try to make a little bit more sense of this King James passage of Scripture here. I mean, what this is referring to is the process, at least in that day, of making wine. If, if left in the vessel for just a little while, after they had poured the, the juice off of those grapes, after they left it in one vessel for a little while, you might see this with some products even in your home to this day. But certainly, long before the days of, 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 uh, of the, the, the abilities that we have and the preserving that we have, but there'll be sometimes some impurities that settle to the bottom of the, the jar or the glass. Amen. And so uh, in a much more technological, not a much less technologically advanced age than we live in today, one of the processes for purifying the wine was to let that settle and then take one vessel and pour that into another vessel, being very careful not to allow that that settled to get into the next vessel. Then they would let that set for just a little while, and some more impurities would settle to the bottom. And again, it would be poured to another vessel. And so from vessel to vessel, amen. And so that's what the scripture is talking about, about Moab. He said he has been settled on his lees because he has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. And I want to tell you tonight that that every time that we walk through something, every time we encounter something that is ordained of God, amen, it is God's way of just pouring us again into another vessel. Amen. I don't know if you've ever felt it or ever thought it, but maybe some have. When we just see that storm, encroaching storm, we think, oh, not again. I, I just got through. I, I just feel like we got everything nailed down, all the tin back on the roof from the last storm, and you just feel God's hand reaching up to pour you vessel to vessel. It's not because God is trying to pick on us. It's because God is trying to purify us. He's, there's something in our life that he's going to get out pouring us vessel to vessel amen I will tell you this that with every pour with every pour it leaves a little something left behind everything I've ever been through and everything you've ever walked through everything you've ever encountered in your life can I tell you what happened at the end of the day is you left a little bit of the old man behind and the old self behind amen I'm going to say something tonight amen I want you to please hear me with my heart from your heart from my heart Amen. You can always, always spot people that haven't had a lot of heartache in their life. Amen. Because they can be somewhat arrogant, a little bit cocky about life situations. Amen. They have an opinion about everything and assume the entire world would be interested in hearing it. But I'm going to tell you, when you find people that have been poured from vessel to vessel for a little while, amen, am I, am I reaching anybody? When you find somebody that's walked through the fire and they walk through the flood, amen, there is something more pure in their spirit. Their opinions are not so plentiful. Their ideas and their thoughts and their interjections are not so readily available. I'll tell you the truth when I tell you that this afternoon that the longer I live and the more you go through the less opinions you have amen I'll tell you it's people without children that can tell you how to raise children it's people without children that can tell you what you ought to be doing when you go out with them in the foyer you ought to put them in the figure four and put a bionic elbow on the <laughs> that I hit too close to home. I'm sorry. 
It's people who have never walked through it. It's people who have never been there that seem to have an opinion. But I'm going to tell you, when you've been through it that way yourself, and especially if you're past that point, when those parents get up and their far away look is in their eyes, you pray, oh God, bless them and don't let them kill those children. <laughs> but if they did, we would understand. <laughs> because they've been poor vessel to vessel, vessel to vessel. I've told it several times through the years, but one night on a night much like this evening, believe it or not, Jericho was given Brother Everett and a hard time. Amen. And as easy going as Brother Everett is, she had finally, I don't know what it was, but she had finally pushed the final button and he got up and walking out and I'm telling you, they weren't headed to the swings. <laughs> she cupped his hand, her, his face in her hands and it's loud enough for everybody to hear it. She said, where are we going, Daddy? <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, where, where, where are we going, Daddy? I have a feeling she knew they wasn't going to the water fountain either. Amen. God bless them. We have all been there. Yes, we have. Amen. To be sure, not every difficult experience in life is necessarily a personal test from God. And I just want to cover this quickly because sometimes we've just made a mess in our own life and we just got to work through it. And we can't blame it on the devil and we can't blame it on God. We can't blame it on the next door neighbor. Can't blame it on mama. Can't blame it on daddy. Am I talking to anybody in the house? Amen. Amen. Sometimes we just pulling weeds that we planted. That's what I'm doing. I'm pulling weeds that we planted. Sometimes our personal pains, however, are nothing more than just a part of just normal, everyday human life. Time has called on all of us at some point to make painful decisions and painful adjustments along the way. There was a day in my life that I couldn't imagine living my life without my mother or my father. But 2001 and 2003 taught me some hard lessons and it taught me that you can. It can. It's painful and it hurts. And sometimes you'd give anything just to hear their voices again. But life, you see, that wasn't the devil. That wasn't God. That wasn't anything but just L-I-F-E. It was just life. It was just part of the journey of life. Amen. And, and, and so we think about the trials and the, and the things that we go through in life. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, the Bible says, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Shall we all pray? <laughs> there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Amen. There's something about temptation that has a common thread running through it. Somewhere, somewhere, somebody has gone through exactly what you're going through. Amen. Perhaps even worse, someone has gone there. Amen. That's temptation. We're all in the same, cut out of the same cloth. However, there are particular tests that come from God. And these tests are tailor-made for each and every one of us. I believe this with all of my heart. Amen. Because you see, what might be a test to you would not be a test to me. But the Lord knows what we've got to have to get our attention. An example of this can be found in the lives of Abraham and Lot. God never asked Lot to face the test that Abraham faced. Amen. Lot's over here in Sodom. He's being tempted by the world. He's being tempted by the flesh. And as a consequence, he never grew to a place of maturity that Abraham reached in his life. 
I will tell you this tonight. I believe in one sense that it is a compliment when God sends a test our way. It may very well be God's way of promoting us. I got to test you and I got to try you. I got to make sure that you're made out of the right thing. And so, with this thought in view, it makes it easier to process, amen, the idea of destiny's journey. In truth, our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear some things that flat seem unbearable. Amen. It's not really, it's not really a test until God asks us to do some things that seem unreasonable or for ask us to expect the impossible. But all throughout scripture, you can find these trying situations and men and women who simply just rose to the occasion. Amen. When we think about Joseph's journey to Egypt, it wasn't a, it wasn't an easy trip. It wasn't an overnight trip, but it was a long and an arduous was multiple year journey but God was taking him somewhere when we think about Moses and Joshua's journey to the promised land it was filled with ups and filled with downs but God had them on destiny's journey the many trials of David and the list could go on and on with all of these examples and in all of the things that we have gone through ourselves there is one thing that we have to come to terms with and that is this we live by the promises of God. We live by the solely by the promises of God and we do not live because God runs along behind us or God runs along beside us explaining every little nuance of our life. It appears to me that God feels no obligation to explain why we are walking down certain paths. Some things I've gone through, the Lord never said a word about it, but when I got through it, I looked back and went, oh, I see. But I've been through some stuff that I've got no explanation for. It makes no sense, but I have to trust in the promises of God. So this thought brings us back to our text in Genesis 22. It seems like that God is making an, an unreasonable request. After all, He's asking for Abraham to sacrifice his only son, his promised son. Not only that, but Isaac wasn't just a child, but he was the hope of Israel. So he was a promised child. Abraham and Sarah had built their entire future around Isaac. And when God asked Abraham to offer it, this was a offer him, it was a test on many levels. Anybody here? You don't have to raise your hand or get up and run around, but anybody here ever said why? Or why me? Sure we have. I don't think God is afraid of questions. He's not obligated to answer them, but he's not afraid of questions. It's just human nature to want to understand why. The why behind what's going on. Somehow we feel if I just knew then I could reconcile this so much easier. In truth, that may not even be accurate. I believe the beauty of our text is multi-layered. One of the bright lights that shine from this passage is found in the fact that Abraham got, heard, heard God's word and he immediately obeyed him. The Lord said, Abraham, where are you? Here am I. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, to a place that I will tell thee of. According to scripture, there is 
no hesitation, Abraham takes the God at his word and off they go. But I want to pause long enough to remind you of something this evening that can become lost to us if we're not careful. Sometimes in reading this passage of scripture, we think of, of Isaac as just a, a child, just a small child, and they're making their way up the mountain, and, 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 and Abraham is somewhat kind of pulling him along. Come on, son, just, just trust daddy and follow daddy. But that's not true at all. He was anything but a child. In our text tonight, I said, or the scripture I read, it said that Abraham laid the wood on Isaac, proving that he was not a child. But let's just think about it in another way. Sarah gave birth to Isaac when she was 90 years old. Therefore, according to custom, she would have, she would have been somewhere between the ages of 92 and possibly as high as 95 when Isaac would have been what the scripture would refer to as weaned. And then Sarah dies at 127. And so that would make Isaac somewhere, possibly around the age of 37. Several commentators have weighed in on the question, and I'm not trying to belabor this, but I just want to season your mind with this. Jameson Fawcett Brown says that, that they have his age somewhere around 20 or above. Josephus says that according to his calculations that he could have been 25 or thereabout. Adam Clark says 33. Keelan DeLeach just says a young man. But if we just do the chronological path, he could have been as much as 20 to 37. With all that said, amen, here's what we should take away. This was not a child that was walking up this mountain. Amen. And so with that information, we should not only stand amazed at the faith of Abraham, but I think we should also stand amazed at the faith of Isaac. <laughs> Amen. He was certainly old enough to understand about sacrifices. He was certainly old enough to understand what was being requested of him. And so I just marvel at their ability to remain steadfast in such a trying season of their life. Here is a father and a son who is a grown man. Amen. And so I ask, what was it that helped their feet stand so firm? Amen. I'm not trying to assume, nor do I want you to assume tonight, that I have the answer, but I certainly believe that I have an answer. Amen. I believe that they're what kept their feet steadfast. Amen. Was their faith in the fact that God never contradicts his word. Amen. Now, I know I'm going to use a little, a little saying that I said I know to several people that are sitting here tonight about the various situations in your life. Amen. That sometimes our victories in the Lord are the promises of God seem very small. They, it's just a snapshot. Sometimes the Lord just makes us a promise, perhaps when we're heading into the storm. Amen. And, and, uh, and I've often said this. Some of you are going to recognize this phrase. I've often told you, you better hold on to that little piece of real estate with everything you have. Amen. You need to hold on to that little piece of real estate with all that you have. Why? Because the enemy is going to come and he's going to try to steal it away and rob it away. Amen. I'm going to tell you what I believe. One of the things that helped them to encounter and to stand successful was they understood one thing. 
God doesn't contradict his word. In Genesis 12, 21 and 12, Brother Wayne Williams, the word of God says this, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. <laughs> Amen. In Isaac shall thou, you know, that's, that's just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Let me do that again. Three, six. That's eight words. Amen. Took me a long time to count to eight. Then it was a little disappointing. <laughs> Amen. It was, just, it was just eight words. It was, maybe if I hadn't pointed that out, you wouldn't have got it. But just eight words. It was not long. It was just a snippet. It was just a snapshot. Amen. That was said in the previous chapter. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Amen. There's going to be some seed from Isaac. I don't know what's going on in chapter 22. I don't know why we're on a mountain. I don't know why we're walking up. I don't know why we are called on to do this. But I'm holding on to the fact that God said in thy seed, in thy seed, Amen. In Isaac, thy seed shall be called. I believe this is kin to the faith that Simon Peter exhibited while he was in prison. He was scheduled to be executed at daylight. Amen. That's what the Bible talks about. Amen. And where do we find him the night before? We find him sound asleep in his prison cell. <laughs> you know why? He could go to sleep that night when he had a death sentence at daylight because he was holding on to a promise that was spoken to him in John 21. In John 21 and 19, the Bible says, Simon Peter, you're going to be old. You're going to be so old that somebody else is going to have to dress you and you're going to be so old that somebody else is going to have to lead you by the hand. And so somehow that old crusty Simon Peter, the old fisherman inside of him said, I don't know what's going to happen between now and in the morning but I'm not old and somebody's not having to dress me and nobody's having to lead me so apparently God has a plan for me by in the morning and if you know the passage of scripture you know that indeed God did have a plan because there was some praying people amen there was somebody on their knees and God opened the prison door and he got out amen <laughs> and so sometimes you just have to hold on to that promise what a tragic thing had he forgotten that little bit of tidbit, that little tidbit of information that you're going to be old, somebody's going to lead you and somebody's going to dress you. But with that little bit of real estate, he said, Good night, boys. I'll see y'all in the morning. Truth, true faith. True faith doesn't demand an explanation. Faith can just stand, true faith can just stand on the promises of God. Abraham told his two servants true faith. He said, I and the lad are going yonder to worship and we will come again. Amen. We will come again unto you. We're going, we're going to worship, and we're coming back. I don't know how this is all going to play out. That's real faith. However, when Isaac asked his father, that all-important question that must have caused time, at least in the mind and the heart of this father, to stand still. He asked him, I see the wood and I see the fire, but where is the lamb? He's a grown man. He knows about sacrifice. He knows what's missing. And Abraham just simply said, God will provide himself a lamb. Now you read into this what you will. But I believe that answer satisfied Isaac because he never said another word and just kept walking. 
as far as we can tell, not even a word uttered while Isaac gets on the altar and allows his father to tie him to the altar. Amen. He was walking destiny's journey and he trusted God with his future. Each of these men, not just Abraham, but each of these men, Abraham and Isaac, believed God and obeyed him even when they did not know where, know when, or know how. And so the real question that each of us must ask is how, how will we conduct ourselves? And I want to kind of sober this up and I want to settle my last comments into all of our hearts. How will we conduct ourselves while we walk the pathway of our own destiny's journey? Will we trust God and just keep walking? Or will we petition God? Why, 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 what, what, what? When, when, when? Where, where, where? Or will we just keep walking? I think a question that we must ask is, can we walk without knowing? Can we really walk without knowing? Can we carry on and trust God to work out all the details? Amen. You ever been with somebody that says, no, you drive. You drive. And then the whole time they're, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey. In those, in those scenarios, I say, now, there, there's only one steering wheel in here for a reason. There's a reason behind that. Method to the madness. And so we say, no, Lord, we trust you. And then Monday, whoa, 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 whoa. Tuesday, hey, 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 hey. Amen. So can we carry on and, and trust God to work out the details? And I, I want you to understand something, that, that I get the magnitude of the questions that I'm proposing to all of us this evening. At the day's end, there is one thing for sure. We must depend on Jehovah Jireh, the God that will provide. So as they climb Mount Moriah, can you hang in there for a few more minutes? As they climb Mount Moriah, these men were confident these men were confident that God would meet their every need. And in doing so, they were able to keep their heart right with God. And here's the key. On the journey to their destiny, they did not allow circumstances to interfere with their walk with God. Because had Abraham been rattled at all by the circumstances that he was going through, he would have never heard the angel's voice the second time when it said, Abraham, stop. Whoa. I wonder sometimes if we not miss that second voice because we're caught in the throes of our own storm and the what, what, why, why, when, when, where, where. And God is trying to stop. But we miss that second calling. Thankfully, he did keep his heart right with God and he did hear the voice of the angel of the Lord. Now, I want to say this evening that I am truly thankful for the people that God has placed in my life. And I'm looking at many of them that God has placed in my life. Many of them have, have helped me to varying degrees as I make my way down life's road. 
However, I have found it striking through the years when God removes people from my life. Like you and I, Abraham had a lot of, a lot of dependable people in his life. But at this particular moment, while he is on the mountain and in the throes of one of the greatest tests of all time, for all intent and purposes, he was alone. Sarah was at home. The servants who came with him were back at the camp. And my point is simply this. There are some things in life that we must face alone. I'm not talking about in the absence of God, but we're just going to have to walk this path alone. It's only then that we can see what God can really do for me. Not for us collectively, but what God can do for me. Abraham could depend on the promise and the provision of the Lord, and ultimately, God did provide what was needed. And so, we ask ourselves, Where and how and what is it that God provides for us? Amen. I'm so thankful that I can look at this scripture and I can see so many principles of our own lives together. God provides exactly what we need, when we need it, where we need it, how we need it. (laughs) You see, God answered Abraham's conundrum in a very natural way I mean we would think something this spiritual that a ram would just come falling out of the sky some angels would just bring it in and lay it on the altar no it was a very natural thing that there was exactly he needed a ram and you know what he had a ram and so God answers some of our prayers sometimes in the most practical way And if we're not careful, we can miss it because we think it's going to be a little more mystical. But what he really needed was a ram, and so God said, okay, here's a ram. And so when we're doing the will of God, I want to tell you that we have the right to expect the provision of God. Someone once said, when God's work is done God's way, it will not lack God's support. So when we walk the pathway of destiny's journey, we are sure to impact those around us. So tonight in closing, and and our musicians can just remain there, but if you'd like to stand, I just have some people that I would like to thank, and I would like for you to listen. I would like to say thank you, Abraham, for continuing to climb even when you had no answers. I'd like to say thank you, Isaac, for faithfully following when you were completely aware that something was woefully missing. Thank you, Moses, for being as faithful in the sheep field as you were in in the Pharaoh's house. Thank you, Joseph, for being true when you were in charge and also when you were in prison. I'd like to say thank you, David, For getting back up after you fell, you showed us how. I'd like to say thank you, Simon Peter, when you denied. Thank you for going out into the night and weeping bitterly. Thank you for those tears. I'd like to say thank you, John, for being steadfast on the Isle of Patmos 
because you weren't bitter and indifferent, we now have the book of Revelation because you kept your heart right. In truth, we could go on and on and on. You could holler examples from your pew. How many others we could insert into that scenario? And they're not all bound up in this book. I'm thankful to announce to you again that many of us have met some real heroes of faith that have walked among us. I couldn't help but this evening as I was trying to wrap all of this up to think about modern day heroes. I've mentioned it a few times since his passing. But I, I just, you know, I, I think I understood at least in part what the life of Brother T.F. Tenney had meant to the world of Pentecost at large in, in his lifetime. But I was not prepared for the impact of his death and how he impacted those in life and in death. To live a life in such a manner that the governor of your state would ask the flags to be flown at half mass, it just says something about how you've handled yourself while you were walking on destiny's journey. The airline that he flew the most to speak in engagements all around the nation and around the world dedicated a flight in his honor. His obituary was read from the Senate floor and the list just goes on and on and on of people that were in no way connected to the world of Pentecost. But he was stepping into his destiny. And you know what? There are many others we could talk about who impacted their world in life and they impacted their world in death. So it matters how we conduct ourselves on destiny's journey. It really matters. Amen? I pray that the Spirit of God would just touch this word to our heart. Would you join me, God, tonight? I just ask you to touch us, help us. God, I believe with all of my heart that every... This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.